0: All right, I'm going to, uh, let's all stand, if you would, turn with me to Mark, the fifth chapter. I'm going to start a a series of summer, I'm going to call them a summertime messages. This is a time when I know that we're going to have people out. You know, it's sad that you know you're going to have people out. You know you're going to have people going to be gone, and uh, so... Uh, so we're going to try this um, these these summertime uh, messages, and and they're going to be about helpless people, and and I hope and pray that you will see uh, the the fact that uh, that we will see ourselves in those helpless people, because you know when we were saved we was in the same shape they were, and that's what I'm hoping we'll see this morning i'm going to be preaching on a helpless woman and this afternoon i'm going to be preaching on a helpless potentate this this was a this was a a potentate of the day and uh he was helpless in his situation and so uh, that's what we're going to look at today i don't know i don't know if i can find enough of these to uh to preach uh, i'm sure i can uh to preach uh this summer, but uh, this is my this is my message. Just because I tell you, people, people, if you don't know where you came from, you have no idea where you're going. I mean, that's just that's just simple. I mean, I'm afraid a lot of professed Christians today don't know where they came from, and and they don't know where they're going. They just they just exist. But I hope I hope and pray not. It's like that anyway. The fifth chapter of the book of Mark, and I'm going to begin reading in the 25th verse. It says in a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, and has suffered many things. I, every time I read this, I think about Sister Deborah, she had an issue of blood for a long time, um, and had suffering has suffered many things of many physicians and has spent all that she had and was nothing better bettered but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. And she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, Turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging of thee and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked and round about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came, uh, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole. Be, uh, be whole of thy plague. Most gracious heavenly father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you Lord for the blessings of it. Thank you Lord for these examples we have in the Bible that can constantly remind us of where we were in our life and, 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 and knowing where we were and knowing that the Lord has has not only did we get to touch him, but he's touched us. And, Lord, that he's made us whole. And, and realize, Lord, that if if he hadn't have done it that day, you know, we we don't know where we'd be today. We don't know. We, we'd just be just, I know myself, I'd just be an old man headed to hell. But, Lord, there's a lot of people like that. And, Lord, I just pray in all things that you might bless us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. A helpless woman. You know, I don't know if, how many you remember, but uh before Brother Ed, a few years before Brother Ed passed away, I preached a message on this woman here. And uh Brother Ed sat there and he cried through the whole message. Sat right back there, and he cried through the whole message. And um but you know, this is something that, when somebody's been sick, Brother Ed had been been sick, had problems for a long time, and I know Sister Deborah had problems for a long time, and and and, and I know that uh, Brother Ed and Sister Deborah would have given anything if uh, if if they just if if everything just dried up in them and they became whole again. But it didn't happen. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that there was anything wrong. It just means that that uh, God just didn't see fit to like he like he didn't see fit to save some people. He just didn't see fit to heal her at the time when he did. And uh, you know, God God doesn't save everybody. I know I know that's a terrible thing to say nowadays. But God doesn't save everybody. You know, there's not everybody's not saved. Not, not even people who, today, some of them say, I'm a Christian. That don't mean a thing. That don't mean a thing. That means they might, have gone, they might go to church two times a year. They say, I'm a Christian. That means they may read their Bible every now and then. I'm a Christian. Well, I've got Christian friends. My mom and daddy were Christians, so I'm Christian. That don't mean a thing. only thing that means anything is, is, you know where you were, and you know where you came from, and you know where you're going. That's all that matters. When it comes to salvation, you know, problem is, is where did we come from? What did God take us out of? If God didn't take us out of nothing, I had someone tell me one time, uh, an old deacon told me one time I would preached a message, and. And he came forward and he said, uh, and didn't come forward. He came after services, and he said, "I was always." He said, "Me and my wife's always good people." I said, "Well, then, what did God save you from?" Well, we were always good people. We just always went to church, and we've all I did when I was a kid, and and my mom and daddy took me to church, and and her mom and daddy took her to church, and and said we said we're just uh, said said we were just good people. But what did God take you from? God didn't take you from being good people. God, God doesn't take good people away from being good. God only takes bad people away from being bad and He sets them up on a rock to where that He can be, He can bless them, watch over them and and, and do for them. Well anyway, this, uh, Recently, one of my messages I, I preached when I started this series, so you remember, I spoke on the impotent man. He was helpless. The impotent man was helpless, as we talked about. This was the beginning of my summertime messages. I know that God works on people, and, and I want everyone who comes to the services this summer to know of Christ and his work to save those chosen souls. I want not know that, I mean, cause we, uh, when we, you, this coming Wednesday night, I don't know how many of you be here, if any of you be here, but I don't know how many of you be here this Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, I'm gonna be preaching on, uh, uh I'm gonna be preaching on, uh, why we shouldn't neglect so great a salvation that God has given us. And, and that, that second verse of the second chapter of the book of Hebrews is a powerful verse. And the reason being is because it's never preached, you never hear it on television preached any other way, but this is talking about lost people. He's not talking about lost people there in that second verse of the second chapter of Hebrews. He's he's talking about saved people who neglect the salvation they've been given. You know, if, if you don't remember where you came from, then how are you going to remember where you're going? And that's just, just like old brother John Rader, one of the greatest Baptist deacons I ever knew. Old brother John Rader used to preach to us boys when we were so drunk we couldn't stand up. He'd he line us boys up. And when we'd go to his house, we'd go to his house because whenever we go out and get drunk, we'd go to his house and instead of going home. And us boys would try to sneak in. Old brother John Rader would be standing there nothing but his drawers. He'd say, boys, get in here and sit down. He'd take us down there, and he'd make us sit on the couches and the chairs in the living room, and he'd stand up there, and he'd preach to us boys. He'd tell us, he'd say, you boys going to die and go to hell. He said, y'all going to hell, he said, the condition you're in. And I remember one of his sons said, well, Daddy said, we we don't want to hear that right now. He said, you're going to hear it. And when he got done... He'd say you boys can go to bed now. But I want to tell you folks, if you don't know where you came from, then you're certainly not going to know where you're going. Old Brother John Rader used to tell a story about he worked he was a railroad man. And I mean he was a working railroad man. He was one of those uh, that that he he didn't drive the spikes, but he said there was a time when he helped them while somebody else drove them. I, I remember him telling about that, and he was a working man, and uh, he said they got in discussion over, over whether you have eternal security or not, whether you once saved always saved, and said one of the fellas said, uh, one of the fellas said, uh, well said, uh, I don't think you can even know you're saved, and the old spike driver, he's a black guy, I, I saw him many times. I used to watch him. I used to go watch him lay lay rail. Up through the mountains of Kentucky, and he he had arms on him that big around, brother Sam, and and he he would he would take that he'd take that one hand, he'd take that spike driver, that spike driver not about that big around, and somebody holding it. Gosh, I thought to myself, if he ever misses, he'll knock, he'll cut his arm off. But he never missed. He'd take that one hand, that big old heavy spike driver. Wham! He'd go down and he'd hit them top of those spikes and drive them in. And uh and I remember Brother John Rader was telling us he said they were discussing one day, once saved, always saved. And said that uh they got talking about it. one fellow said, Well, I don't believe you know you're saved. He said, Oh they called I can't remember what his name was, said he rolled in big chalky, brother John called him the big chalk eyes. Said he rolled in big chalk eyes up there and he looked and he told that fella, he said, Well if you don't know you're saved, you also don't know you're lost. And that's true. And I'm tell you, folks, if if you don't know you're saved today, you never didn't know you're lost. And that's what these messages are all about. That's what these messages gonna be all about this summer. I'm hoping I can get to people. I'm hoping I can get them enough of them here to preach to them that I'll venture all summer long. I'll get to preach to everybody. I'm hoping and praying for that. That's my prayer. That's what I was telling Brother Robbie yesterday. I said I'm hoping to get to. Preach to my people at least one or two times all summer long. So that's, that's, that's the gist of these messages. We know that God is work, is at work fulfilling His will on the earth. We know that Jesus works without any complaint or difficulty. And we know the Holy Spirit is silently bringing it all to pass. We know these things. You, you know these things. You know that these things are just silently being brought to pass. You know what, what, what? How many of you knew me? How many of you knew me forty years ago? Well, I care if may know me, cause I used to go in the hospital over there before I ever started pastoring her. I don't know. Do you remember that? You don't. You remember it, do you? I look so good. You didn't remember me. Yeah, I remember first time I ever walked in in the in the room. What? Well, don't tell. Don't tell nothing. <laughs> but anyway, I won't tell it then. But but anyway, uh, uh, you know, uh, I walked, I walked in there and I saw some things. I tell you, the main thing I smelled was when I walked in there to smoke. (laughs) When I walked in that room. Well, let me tell you folks. 50 years ago. How many of you knew what I was? Shelly didn't know what I was 50 years ago. Becky didn't know what I was 50 years ago. and I think Ron has done forgot. Let me tell you, you don't know what I was. But let me tell you, folks, I came to the point in my life I knew what I was. And it was because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God that was working in my life. I began to know who I was and what I was and what I've done and and, and such things as that. While on his way, while Jesus was on his way, I'm sorry, let me say this. um, Jesus scatters profusely his gracious deeds and of mercy without any thought of the praise of man. While on his way, he drew a crowd. And in this crowd... Uh, virtue flows from him. You know what that means? That word virtue. You know what that word virtue means? For a blinking of an eye, he lost his power. Just just for a blink of an eye, he lost his power. That's what he meant. He said something took the power out of me. What was it? Somebody touched me and took the power out of me, and and then took his virtue. Out of him. Now, now he, he asked who touched him. Who touched him? Well, his disciples could not understand how he knew a certain person touched him because of the crowd. Why, anybody could have touched you. Well, you're going through there. Anybody hits you with elbow? Anybody hits you with anything? He said, no, no. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me in a way that it took my virtue away. That for just for a blink of an eye, I lost all power. He said, somebody touched me. Somebody took it out of me. And he turned around. He turned around. And, and here he, he turned around and saw a certain woman. Now listen to this. Not just any woman. There's a lot of women there. Lots of women there. Some some believe there's probably as many as six, seven thousand people were around him at this day. There there was a lot of people there. A lot of women there, but he turned around to that certain woman. That certain one. Isn't that amazing? That certain one. Not just any woman. He turned around to that certain one. That certain one. This woman. Had touched his garment, and all of a sudden she was healed of a certain issue of blood which she had had for twelve years. She knew something had happened. Lord turned around. I'm just ad-libbing now. Lord turned around and and he said, "Uh, uh, "You're not sick anymore. What's happened?" You, 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 you're the, you're the sick woman. You know, let me tell you folks, he knew before he went there who he was in that crowd after. Just like I was talking about the impotent man who tried to get down to the water. Jesus went on that, he went on that, uh, uh, at Bethesda that, that I call it the beach at Bethesda. He went on that beach at Bethesda, and there was hundreds of people laying around there trying to get down to the water, and he walked over to that one certain man. And he spoke, told him, said, take up thy bed and walk. That one certain man, well, that's what we talked about in that. Well, this is the same thing. This is that one certain woman. When he saw her, she was afraid, but could not hold her peace another minute. She fell down in front of him and told him something that his disciples could not tell. She told him the truth. His disciples couldn't tell us. I said, how do you know who touched you? His disciples couldn't even tell him the truth. They couldn't even tell him who touched him. And she went down and she said, I'm the one who touched you. You think he didn't already know that? Sure, he already knew that. He knew that she was the one that touched him. He knew that because she told the truth. It is always good to tell the truth, but truth is not always in us. What was wrong with this poor, helpless woman? She had come to her rope's end and, and and had found no relief in the world. She had been to many doctors. She had spent herself poor. She needed more than the world could give her. She needed one who she followed And he let her know that he came seeking her. He let her know he came seeking her. Old Kentucky mountain boy, running around up there in the mountains, doing everything any boy would do in those days. My mom put me out of the house when I was 12 years old because I came in smoking. My mom told me, she said, you big enough smoke, you big enough get out of here. And I left. Oh, I came back to sleep. You know, she'd laugh at me when I'd come back to sleep. She said, I, told you, I knew you'd come back. I'd come back to eat. She said, I knew you'd come back. But she told me to get out of the house. Twelve years old. Told me to get out. Well, this woman needed more than the world could give her. She needed one who she followed, and he let her know that he came seeking her. I know it's wonderful to seek him, but it's more wonderful when we know that he sought us. You know, some people say, well, I'm looking for Jesus. Well, let me tell you, if you're one of his elect children, he's looking for you, too. You might think, well, I'm one sought him and I got him and I prayed my prayer. I need to pray and everything's okay. No, it's not until he seeks you and gets you and tells you you're whole. He tells you you're ready. He tells you you're saved. He tells you that you're going to die and go to heaven. He tells you that he gives you all the promises that, that he gives to those people like that that are saved that he sought out. If we're to understand a helpless person, or a helpless woman, as I say, we must see her disease. Now, verse 25, we we won't go back and read it. We've already read the text. The life of this woman was slowly ebbing away. She was slowly losing her life. You know, I I just, you know, when somebody don't get well, Becky knows this as well. Shelly knows it too. A lot of others in here know it. When somebody don't get well, they're headed somewhere. You know, we're, we're designed to get well. We're designed to go to the doctor and get something and get us well. You know, every day I just came back from the doctor last week and every day I say, well, I think I'm getting well. We're designed to get well. But when someone don't get well, there's something wrong. And it's not long until their life will just ebb away. The Bible teaches the life of every soul is in the blood. When the blood, let me tell you, let me tell you folks, and I'm not trying to scare anybody. I know know they catch some people pretty early. But when your blood gets septic, you better watch out. You better watch out. Talking to a man a couple of weeks ago, whose wife, her blood is septic. She's got a peritonitis infection, and her blood is septic. And said so the doctors told him, "said we got to get that cleared up." Said we got to get that cleared up because said if we don't, it, it'll take your life. If we don't get that cleared up, you know the life of the body. Life of the soul is in the blood. A problem with the blood is certain death. A problem with the soul is certain damnation. In the condition she was in, she was, she was weak, unclean from her condition, miserable. You know, that's, that's, that's the worst thing about a sick person. You know, they become unclean. They become unclean, you know. You'll say, well, now I always see them, but no, they'll become unclean. They will. They'll, 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 they'll get dirty. And they'll get ashamed of themselves. I went to the, I went to the dermatologist this past week, this past Friday. And she said, do we normally check your whole body? I said, no, you don't. I said, you check from my, to down to my waist. She said, you don't have anything down below there? I said, not a thing. I didn't want to take my breeches off in front of her. Well, let me tell you folks, God is saying to this Jesus saying to this woman, "You are unclean. Now you're clean. Now you're being cleaned up." She's miserable. Such are all who are overtaken in the cancer of sin. You know we're we are we are uh, we are miserable. You know if you if you've got the cancer of sin in your life, you're miserable. You can't be happy. There's no way you can be happy. There's no way you can function as you should if you've got that cancer of sin in you. No way you can do it. But you can. The love of sin is the cancer of the soul. Just like this helpless woman, those weighed down by sin have no remedy that can touch it. No man on the earth has the wisdom and the knowledge to find a cure. She had been 12 years in the process of dying. All those lost today are in a long process of dying. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You know, you're dying. You're dying. You don't realize it, but you're dying. You know, if you're here and lost today, you're dying. I mean, really dying. If you're here and saved today, you're never going to die. But if you're here and lost, you're dying. The wages of sin is death. Folks, you must see yourself dying in order to live. If we're to understand a helpless woman, <clears throat> we must see her distress. Verse 26 says she has spent all that she had. She had nothing left. She goes to the hospital and they say, you got to have a $1,000. She I don't have it. She, she, you know, you go to ch- go to some church, go to Catholic church, and they'll tell you if you put so much money in, we can take care of you. If you got enough money, you got enough money, we can get you right. Oh, that's right, that's right. You might say, that's called penance. Any any of you that's ever been in a Catholic church and understand Catholic doctrine, that's penance. Some people pay penance to be okay. There's no penance out there. There's nothing you can do. You can spend yourself poor. You can work your fingers to the bones and still die and go to hell. Why is that fair? It's fair because you're a lost sinner. Why is that fair that God would choose some and not choose others? Well, God, we're all sinners. We're all sinners from birth. It's not a fact of God choosing some, not choosing others. It's just a fact that he loved some before the foundation of the world, and he didn't love others. She had spent all that she had. She knew that she had the disease. She knew that it was terminal, and she was willing to give all that she had to find a cure. Listen, folks. When a soul gets in this condition, they're ready to be saved. When they get in a condition to where that they think, they've, I've done everything I can do now. Only the only thing I can do now is listen to that old preacher up there and, and trust the Lord as my Savior. If that will if help, that's what I'll do. But they'll have a great desire that they don't know they ever had to come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. I had a talk with a lady one time. I've told this story. Before, um, I can't remember her name now, but anyway, years ago I went to visit a lady in the hospital in Lexington, Kentucky, and I went and talked with her. She's sitting in the middle of the bed, just her nightgown on, sitting in the middle of the bed, and I was talking with her, and she had terminal cancer. And I I I told her about the Lord Jesus, and she started squall, and she I. The front of her gown was soaking wet when I left out of that room. She was squalling so loud and crying so much. I would tell her about Jesus. She said, I just can't believe it. I can't believe. She said, I can't do it. She said, I d I don't I she said, I know. I know I'm gonna die and go to hell, but she said, I can't believe in Jesus. Let me tell you folks. If you get that way, you are gonna die and go to hell far as i know she died and went to hell miss watts i remember just remembered her name that woman died about two or three days after i was there and she sat there and told me she said i can't i can't believe i can't believe i said well, the bible says all you have to do is believe upon the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved she said i can't believe she said she said i can tell you i do but i don't get any satisfaction out of that she said, I don't get any help out of that. only help she wanted, she wanted somebody to cure her of that cancer so she could get up out of that bed and go. Like another woman told me one time, said, if God will cure me of this cancer, then I'll be in church every Sunday. She happened to be a member of the church I was pastor, not here, but in Kentucky. And she told me, she said, Paul... She she said uh, she said if if the Lord will cure me she said I'll be in church every Sunday well guess what the Lord cured her was well, she in church every Sunday never darkened the door again she's the same lady that called me up there to preach her daughter's funeral got killed in a car wreck and she told me she said where's Jesus she said where's Jesus she said I've been t- trying to Contacted. Where's Jesus? She came running and threw, threw her arms around my neck. Rhonda knows who I'm talking about. She came running and threw her arms around my neck and, and she said, where's Jesus? Said, I can't, I can't, he, I can't talk to him. He won't talk to me. And I told her, I, t- I called her by name. I said, listen, I said, you left Jesus back there in Cynthia, Kentucky. I said, he didn't leave you. You left him. After she got well of that cancer, she never darkened the door of the church again, never did come. And all that happened years years later. I was already in Georgia when all that happened. We know they're ready to be saved. Most lost people don't know they are in this condition. She had been she had been scammed by the practitioners of her day. They had taken all that she had. There was no Medicare or Medicaid to fall back on. She had nothing. She had, been, she had been earnest in her search, but had looked to the wrong source. Isaiah 55 says, why do you buy these things when they're free? I'm just ad-libbing it now. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Says, why buy wine when it's free? Why buy food when it's free? Why buy stuff when it's free? Because God gives it free to His people. Why do we keep trying to spend money to find happiness, to find peace? Why do we keep spending money heading this place and that place to try to be happy and try to make our kids happy? Why do we do it? Let me tell you, the greatest happiness anybody ever had is when Jesus saved their soul and promises them eternal life. I'm telling you, it's one of the great things that ever happened to me. God saved my soul. She was in, she was in distress. I wasn't in distress. I didn't care. I didn't care. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to see Jim Jeffries again because he had just pointed at me and told me I was going to die and go to hell if I didn't get that motorcycle down off that porch. But I did see When Brother Robbie talks about him being a brazen person. He was. Brother Robbie don't have what his daddy had, I can tell you right now. He come to my door. He told me about Jesus. If we are to understand a helpless woman, this helpless woman, we must see... Her dilemma, nothing bettered, she grew worse. You know, folks, you might say, well, I got by this Sunday. It's just going to be worse. People don't come church today. they say, well, I didn't get to hear that message. So, I, But, you know, let me tell you, you're going to hear one just like it if you come next Sunday. Not, not, not if I can find it in the scriptures, you're going to hear one just like it. You say, well, I missed it today. But the one thing we've got that you, that a lot of people don't realize, we've got that internet back there. This message eventually will be on that internet. By the way, lady called from Kentucky and said she got both of the messages last week. Brother Gary. She looked for them and looked for them and couldn't find them, but now she's got them. Her dilemma. Nothing bettered, she grew worse. She is now without hope. They had applied all the remedies they knew about. Her physicians were of no value. Dr. False Peace, Dr. Do Good, Dr. Work Harder, Dr. Pray a Prayer, Dr. This, Dr. That, Dr. This, Dr. That didn't do her a bit of good. Harder, Dr. Work harder, can't touch the sore sin. It's a sore sin. It does no good to go to cisterns which hold no water. All one tries to do to feel better about the plague of sin will fall short. Only if you can touch Jesus. Only if you can touch Jesus. I'm telling you here today, only if you can touch Jesus. Jesus. Only if you can touch Jesus today. A lot of people, you, you know, you can sit there and laugh and carry on with each other. I don't care. I do care, but, but you can do it. I'm, I'm preaching something to you. You're serious today. I'm not preaching to you anything on Facebook. I'm not preaching about stuff. I'm, I'm preaching to you something serious today. Only if you can touch Jesus. If we're to understand a helpless, this helpless woman, we must see her desire. Verse 28. How did she know the cure was in touching the hem of his garment? How'd she know that? She said, if I can only get there, if I can only touch him. She said, that's all I care about. I just want to get to touch him. I don't know if she crawled. I don't know if somebody carried her. I don't know if she was in a she if she was on a, a donkey or whatever. She said, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just get to him and touch him. I'll be all right. How'd she know that? Who told her that? Who told her that? Well, I heard his disciples. Just they thought it was just terrible that he that he he knew somebody touched him. How can she know that? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. She'd heard Jesus. She'd heard Jesus somewhere else. She'd heard him, even though she wasn't listening for him. She'd heard him somewhere else, just like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. Why? Why in the world we're we going to be talking about him too during these subjects? Zacchaeus, he'd heard about Jesus. He was one of the most wicked. He's one of the most hated men in his time. The little fellow, little fella, he was hated. He was hated. He's a tax collector. They hated tax collectors. Matthew was a tax collector. That is, Matthew, the Bible, was a tax collector. And they were hated people. You'll say, well, everybody loved me. They didn't. Everybody loved you. You're just so stupid. Talk about everybody loving you. Don't everybody love you. Don't everybody love me. You might say, well, I know why. Well, you may know, think you know why. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. She'd heard it somewhere. You would do well to listen today. Her faith, her faith, believe it or not, this last page, her faith made her whole. How can you still trust in yourself today? If we're to understand a helpless woman, we must see her deliverance. She did not sit and say that maybe he would be this way again. She sought to be healed. She was healed. There were three things about her. You know, why would I say that? Why did I make that statement? Why did I make the statement she did not sit and say that maybe he would be this way again. There's some. There's people come to church every Sunday. And they'll sit and say, "Well, maybe next Sunday. Maybe next Sunday. Maybe next Sunday. Maybe maybe next week. Maybe maybe Wednesday night." She didn't sit and say that maybe he'll be by this way again. She didn't take no. She didn't take any chances. She didn't take any chances that he would ever be this way again. She knew there were three things about her deliverance that she knew it was true. She knew it was sudden. Let me tell you, salvation's just like that. Blink of an eye. You'll say, well, what's a new birth? Blink of an eye. Just like that. New birth comes up on you, born you again. Just like that. Blink of an eye. She knew it was sudden. She said this wouldn't be right if I just sat there and jerked on his garment and never got any response. Nothing happened. How many times do we go and we pray 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 and 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 nothing happens? And all of a sudden when we're not praying, something happens. I know I, I prayed my eyes out for Sister Deborah. She would come over here to church to see me, and she'd take me by the hand. She'd say, "Will you pray with me today?" I said, "You know I'll pray with you today." We always look for that sudden thing to happen, but it never did. That doesn't mean anything. It just never did happen. She knew it was sudden. She knew it was successful. Everything dried up. No fake to it. No fake to it. She knew, she knew that the issue of blood had cleared up just like that as soon as she touched his garment. Just like that. The blink of an eye, it cleared up. That's the way it is. You think I went through a long process to, to be saved? No. I wasn't seeking to be saved. I never did seek to be saved. But I do know that that one Friday afternoon, I wasn't seeking to be saved, but I could not wait to get in. I just had married one of the prettiest girls in the state of Kentucky. I walked right by her, came right in. We hadn't been married very long, about eight months I walked right by her and went straight to the bathroom and I knew this was, something was happening. I kneeled down at the tub and I said, Lord, I can't stand this no longer. I can't stand this no longer. All of a sudden a peace came over me that you wouldn't believe. That peace has been here ever since for the last 52 years. That peace has been here. That peace has never left. It's been here, and it's still here. You may think I'm just a blowhard, but you can think that if you want to. I don't care. I do care. But I say I don't care. It's like old Brother uh, Clark used to say. He said, I know y'all think I'm mad, but I'm not really. She knew it was self-gratifying. She knew that what happened was good. That's good. That was good. Boy, that was good. Man, what brought me here? What made me go out there and try to touch and tag on his garment? Why, what, what? She knew it was good that she'd done that very thing. She knew that was good. Now, if we're to understand this helpless woman, we must see her declaration. She was not ashamed to tell those around her that she was the one who touched his garment. Who touched me? I did. Lord, Lord, I I was the one who touched you. The Disciples couldn't tell you. The disciples said it could be anybody. She said, I'm the one who touched you. How does she know, how does she know to tell him she is the one who touched him? Because she was made whole. She knew that something happened during that time public profession is needful if you have been saved you need to tell this church about it now romans 10:10 10, 10 says confess your sins come and confess your sins and tell the church that the lord has saved you and lastly if we're to if we're to understand a helpless helpless woman we must see her determination her determination jesus said made whole go in peace jesus didn't hang around when he saved my soul he didn't hang around he didn't hang around and put his arm around me and said son it'll be all right it'll be okay you know just take me by the hand it'll be all right you're gonna be okay everything's gonna be fine from here on out well jesus i'm dying of cancer well, everything's going to be fine here on out, but I haven't been healed. See, that's what's wrong with this day. We've walked the church aisle, we've gone into baptismal water, and we're still not healed. Then we try to go out there and we deceive. I told Brother Robbie yesterday, Robbie, I, I said, we're, we live in an age of nothing but deception. I said, people sweep sin under the rugs. I said, they deceive, they deceive, they deceive, they deceive. You can't deceive this. You can't go out there and tell people you're saved and know you're saved. Only way you're going to be know you're saved is if you're saved. I know this is hard. I know this is tough. I know it is. How many of you have been relieved when the doctor tells you all is okay? Doctor came out and told me the other day after he done some little testing on me and my vitals and everything, he said, you're fine. He said, you, he looked at my chart, and he said, man, he said, your blood pressure's good, your heart rate's good, your, your uh, uh, oxygen level's good, 97. He said, your oxygen, oxygen level's good. He said, everything's good. And what'd I do? Whew. Man. Man, I'm okay. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get my medicine, get out of here. How many of us are like that? you got a loved one that's in, in some terrible surgery or something, and the doctor comes out and says, they're, they're going to be okay. Oh, that's a relief. That's a great relief. Well, that's what happens when the Lord saves you. But it's a relief that don't go away. You don't run out and eat a meal. You don't run out and have a party. You don't run out. And do it. What you do is you keep following the Lord. You keep seeking that person that made you whole. You keep following him. You keep seeking him. You keep going after him. You don't. You don't. You don't take things in the world over top of him, which is happening today. She was saved by faith in him and assured by his comforting word. Had Jesus not spoken these words to her, she would have gone away in constant dread and disease that the disease might return. (sighs) How many people go away today and say, well, I I might get unsaved tomorrow, but then I I can get saved next Sunday. That's what they're doing, folks. That's what they're doing. We even got some of our preachers are teaching people that that's not even so. Just like brother Sam Wilson told me, he said, I'm not going to fellowship with them. He said, I don't care who they are, and I'm not either. His word is that comfort for which you are waiting. Trust him. Listen to his word, and God bless you today. Let's all stand and sing a verse of song. And I'm going to let you go. and.